I'm Chris Rivak. This is Working Capital Conversations. The problem is confounding, challenging, and enduring. And to listen to John Denniston, it also just may present the perfect opportunity to do both good and do well. It's called the yield gap, the difference in agricultural yield from farms in developed countries, which are more efficient and deliver more food per acre, versus emerging countries, which are, of course, the very places where food is most needed. And that gap is part of the reason why Denniston, whose career has included investing in green tech and more as a partner at Kleiner, Perkins, Caulfield, and Byers, as well as heading tech investment banking in the western U.S. at Solomon Smith Barney, it's why he launched Shared X, which he describes as a for-profit agriculture impact company with two key goals, generating financial returns and generating social returns. But for this longtime investor, the aha moment that led to Shared X came not through number crunching, though he does plenty of that, but rather on a trip with his kids. What did he realize on that family vacation that changed their outlook and their lives? That's what we discussed. Hey, John, thank you for joining me. Really appreciate your time. Oh, Chris, thanks for having me. So let, let's start with the uh, broad picture and explain to folks, what is Shared X? What's the problem that you seek to solve? Right. Shared X is an agriculture impact company. We grow high-value specialty crops in emerging countries and are targeting two objectives. The first is financial return for our investors and the second is social return in the form of lifting smallholder farmers out of poverty. And we hear that uh, you know a lot around uh, various sustainability investing efforts. You know, chance to do good and do well. Um, is that you know? Tell me, kind of, is this more do good? Is this more do well? Do you feel like it's evenly balanced? Which came first for you? You know, um, I, I'm certain that you don't want to do one without the other, but kind of balance those out for me, if you would, on this particular effort, and then we'll, we'll go deeper into, you know, kind of literally how it works. Yeah, you bet. And so our, our strategy is to avoid the either or of financial and social return, what's the trade-off between the two, and instead pursuing a business plan where one builds the other. They're mutually reinforcing in the following way. With financial success, a company like ShareX can reinvest some of its profit into the expansion of its business model, which by definition brings more smallholder farmers into our system and helps alleviate poverty. With larger hub-and-spoke systems, that's how we operate, we uh, also have volume purchasing advantages and other financial advantages that build our financial return and so forth. Financial success begets improved social success, begets higher financial success, thus avoiding the myth of the trade-off between one and the other. So take me through the logistics, um, and, and maybe that will include um, a little bit of how you came across the idea of um, agriculture investing, particularly in uh, um, countries, emerging countries, where 
uh, you know, the, the creation of agriculture opportunities is hard, and yet on the other side of that, there are these massive nutrition and uh, food problems and, uh, you know, and access to enough food. So um, tell me about the problem that you saw, and then how did you get into this? You know, how did you see this as a real um, viable financial opportunity in addition, obviously, to the, uh, you know, social impact um, and, and then maybe we can get into, and I can follow up on literally how the logistics work. Let me start with the investment thesis. What is, what is the opportunity that we're attacking? And the opportunity that we're attacking is an agriculture phenomenon, which is known in the industry as the yield gap. The yield gap is the astonishing difference in bushels per acre when comparing a developed and an emerging country farmer. That difference can be factor five, factor seven, factor 10, sometimes greater. In the business world, that's known as an arbitrage opportunity. It's hard to find in the world today arbitrage opportunity with that kind of gap, five to 10x, possibly greater. And so that's the opportunity. And we're choosing to address the opportunities, I said earlier, for both financial return for our investors and social return by including the smallholder farmers in our communities in our advanced sustainable farming methods. I'll now briefly answer your question of how in the world <laughs> did I come across this? And it's a, it's a long story. The short version is exactly 10 years ago. My wife and I decided it would be good for our then teenage daughters to spend a week or two <laughs> that summer outside of Silicon Valley where we live uh, because we began to worry about how our daughters, Lauren and Katie, could possibly have a healthy perspective on the world growing up amongst the wealth in Silicon Valley. And so by serendipity through a, a friend, we ended up in the northern desert of Peru, we wanted to take them outside of the United States to do volunteer community service, the bottom of the pyramid, or in the desert of northern Peru. And the very first thing we did was to help a community of smallholder farmers harvest their cotton crop. And it was uh, the bottom of the pyramid. We went looking for it. And two hours after our plane landed uh, in northern Peru, we found it. And so we wanted to do something to help but something more than a charitable contribution, which would serve as a good Band-Aid, but only a Band-Aid, not a sustainable solution to the problem. And I was looking for somebody, an agriculture expert in Peru, who could diagnose the problem and help tell us what to do. Mm. And that person is Tony Salas, today our CEO at SharedX. That's the long uh, backstory to how I got to where I am today with SharedX and how SharedX came to be. How did your daughters react when you, uh, you know, when you took them there and, and, you know, it's not a beach vacation and, uh, you know, they're not, uh, you know, off in the mountains climbing or, or hiking or anything, but they're working a farm in uh, the Peru, you know, the Peru desert or near the Peru desert. Um, how, how, how did they react? How did you sell that one? I, there may be a whole parenting book here that, that you know, we may get you away from this investing, investing thing and, and get you into, uh, into parenting guidance. I don't, I don't, I don't pretend to be qualified to write that book, Chris. But I'll tell you, 
so here's, we, I don't know, I think we spent 10 days down there on that trip and we did a number of things. Yes, we helped the farmers help uh, harvest their, their crop, but we also worked in an orphanage and a hospice and we delivered food to those without, and we built the, the homes in the customary fashion and we adopted a family in need and so forth. So my, my litmus test, and, and there was nothing really comfortable about the, the setting down there and what we were doing. It's very outside the, our comfort zone of what we had previously done in our, our lives, including mine. So my litmus test was, I didn't ask my daughters while we were down there, how's it going? You know, are you okay? For fear of the answer I would get. And I waited until we were, we had boarded the airplane in Lima back to the United States. And I, uh, just ask them. So here, here's my litmus test question. You want to come back here next year for a week? And my older daughter, Lauren shakes her head. No. And said, no, I don't want to come back for a week. I want to come back for two weeks. Wow. And my, and my younger one, Katie said, I don't want to come back for two weeks, but I'll come back for a week. And I said, okay, well, there's a, there's a midpoint between seven and 14 days and we'll just find that. And so this trip to Peru has become a family addiction. And we've come back to the exact same remote place every, virtually every single year with one exception uh, because of our kids' desire to do it. Now our younger son uh, has been many, many years. He started coming when he was nine years old. So this, this has become a family addiction for us. That's, uh, that's terrific. And you did, you, you know, so fine. I'll take you at your word. You may not be qualified uh you know, to, to be the parenting expert, although, you know, we can debate that another time. Um, but you did hit on one of the, one of the key lessons I, w- I would think, which is, uh, you know, don't ask your kids a question that you don't want to know the answer to. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And, and honestly, Chris, just to be in the setting is, uh, and we've, we've taken some friends on this annual truck of ours too. And a particular friend of mine, um, has had this reaction, which is it's the only vacation he's ever taken where he's forgotten about the office. And it's because we're immersed in that community. And, you know, it's different being at the beach and you got your cell phone and boredom sets in and, uh, but we're, we're constantly in motion, constantly in action. It's, it's, it's edgy. It's a little bit uncomfortable. And after a while, we, it kind of sort of have become members of the community just because of our repeated trips back there. That's terrific. That's uh, that's that's really excellent. So, so tell me about you. You mentioned hub and spoke, and I think that that's um, really part of your model and and how it works. So, take me through what does that mean, and 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 the logistics. How, how how do you how do you find the farmer? How does the farmer make money? How do how do you how does shared X make money? How how does it all work? Yeah, the hub and spoke is our model in any particular farming community where we come in and we buy a farm, uh, a mid-sized farm, and we call that our hub farm. We never buy farmland from poor smolder farmers. They don't own mid-sized farm. They own one or two hectares, something like that. So we set up our operations. We have an outstanding agronomic team, and naturally our yields will be high relative to the community stand. We then engage with the community, the smallholder farmers, who are our neighbors and otherwise in the community. And here's the, one of the benefits of the hub and spoke model is that we are their neighbors. 
And so it's one thing to come into a farming community and say, we know the best farming methods for you and let us teach those to you. It's quite a different thing to say, come and see what we're doing on our farm. And so the smallholder farmers, many of whom are illiterate, uh, can with their own eyes see that something special is taking place on our farm. And therefore, there is a greater willingness to come aboard to at least try what we're doing. And we've seen that that has been a formula for success. So, so you're closing the yield gap, if you will. If, if, tell me if I'm understanding this right. You're closing the yield gap on your own farm, on the, on, the, on the hub farm that you own. And the other local farmers, you invite them by or whatever. They come by and they say, whoa, you know, how's uh, Deniston, you know, guy from Silicon, you know, how's that guy? Although you've got some help from uh, Tony Salas, of course, and, and others. I'm, I'm, you know, kidding a bit. But, you know, how, how is Deniston, you know, creating so much productivity on, on his property? And maybe you can talk about that, how you're, how you're doing that. They say, okay, yes, I would be interested in learning this. You help them do that. But as part of helping them do that, it's a business venture. You, I guess, in some way become a, a business partner of theirs or they become a, a, a related spoke to your hub, maybe that's in terms of distribution, or or maybe you, you figure out different types of production on, on different farms. But is that it? You're, you're showing them what you're doing, and and by that they say, okay, um, I went in on this venture. That's exactly right, Chris. That I think you captured it very well. Uh, yes, we we close the yield gap on our own farm, the hub, hub farm. So in one sentence, our business plan at SharedX is to collapse the yield gap by deploying advanced and sustainable farming techniques. And we deliver our impact by sharing those advanced sustainable farming techniques with our neighbors, the smallholder farmers, thus lifting them, uh, their incomes and many of them out of poverty. And I probably know the answer to this already, but, but you know, and I'm coming at this from two different directions. The question is, what about the governments, the, the you know, federal governments, let's say, but then also the local governments? On, on one side, on the farmer help side, um, if these techniques, uh, you know, unless they are somehow proprietary and you're not telling anybody, you know, exactly how they work, and I, I don't think that's the case, but you'll tell me I'm wrong if I am. You know, on the one hand, why are governments or, or you know, NGOs not delivering that type of knowledge to the farmers? And then maybe on the other side of it, um, you know, what kind of obstacles do you get from officials, whether that's on the federal side or, or on the local side. I, I know you're obviously you mentioned already you're in Peru. Um, I, you, you know, maybe you can talk about, uh, you know, some of your locations or some of your planned locations as well. So I'll break that into two pieces. The first is why hasn't the world figured out how to, to do this yet? I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that 70% of the world's poor live in rural areas where farming is fundamentally the the only or one of the very few work opportunities. And the yield gap is widening. It's not narrowing. And the smallholder farmers remain mired in poverty. And why is that? And I think it's two reasons. The first is uh, the world-class agronomic talent, people that, that actually know and have practiced for years or decades the advanced, the best advanced sustainable farming techniques are incredibly scarce in these communities. 
incredibly scarce. And uh, there's also a delivery method of the knowledge. As I said before, it's one thing to uh, go in and, you know, say, I'm your coach. This is what you ought to do. It's a second to actually do it as their neighbor. And they can see with their own eyes kind of the Missouri state motto, the show me state. So uh, the other, the other, it's a really interesting, uh, ob- at least for me, observation somebody made to me is to address the persistent problem of smallholder farmer poverty worldwide. Mostly what's been done is to try to pay the farmers a price premium. And there are very various different efforts to do that. And here's the here's the observation that was made to me that uh, I keep coming back to, which is, well, you can lift yields. So the volume produced from a given acre of farmland, factor five or factor ten, that's that is the yield gap if you have the the advanced sustainable farming techniques, but you can't lift prices, factor five, factor ten maybe 10 or 20 or 30%, that's it. And some of that gets absorbed by the distribution chain, uh, by middlemen along the way. And so uh, if you're going to attack poverty, uh, the global poverty, you know, a really good place to start would be the ag industry, just given the, you know, the fraction of poor in the world who are in that system. And uh, probably a good way to address it would be to collapse the yield gap. You can add a price premium on top of that, but do both. Yeah, I'm listening to you. You're you're rewriting. It seems that old uh, the old saying, um, you know, give a person a farm, uh, he eats for a day. Uh, teach a person to farm, and uh, they eat for life. So, um, the fish the fish are out, and the farm is in. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. Right. So you can give a person a fish, or teach a person how to fish. And so that that was really our initial observation going to northern Peru, which is which is a charitable donation would have been giving a fish, which, which is a good thing. I'm not criticizing it. Nobody should. Uh, but for a sustainable solution, it better to teach a person how to fish because that is a, that is a sustainable solution to the problem. And so where, where are you now? You're in, where, where, where are your endeavors now? You're in uh, Peru, obviously. Um, have you gotten into other uh, LATAM countries? Is LATAM where you're looking to go? What about uh, um, Africa? I mean, you know, Asia, when we talk about, uh, the, you know, sadly, and you've pointed out some of the numbers, um, we don't lack for emerging uh, countries where, um, you know, the problem that you're describing exists. So you, tell, me, give me, tell me your footprint and uh, um, where, where do you head to? next. Right. So our footprint today is we we began our business two years ago and we have several farms in Peru and now we've expanded into the Dominican Republic and we uh, have ambition to expand beyond those two countries going forward. One of the advantages that we have as a company is our CEO, Tony Salas, has a long history in agriculture and emerging countries. He and his prior firm participated in over 400 agriculture projects in over 30 countries over nearly a quarter of a century. And so what that means is that we have in-country networks in multiple countries where we don't have to do a lot of research, which crop to grow, where and with whom and how and so forth, because our team has done that before. And uh, so that has allowed us to move swiftly, and we hope that it will 
going forward as well. And how does this work for GSV? Um, they're, they're involved in so many different things. Why does uh, SharedX make sense for GSV? Well, GSV, led by Mike Moe, stands for Global Silicon Valley. And it's really the part of the mission for GSV is to bring the spirit and the methods of entrepreneurial innovation to the world. And uh, GSV has a number of initiatives, one of which is sustainability slash impact. And when Mike Moe and team heard about what we were up to at ShareDex, they were uh, very enthusiastic and wanted to play a role to help us. And we've been really delighted with GSV. The whole team has been terrific and a huge help to ShareDex. And is ShareDex, are you, do you, are you taking on additional investors at this point? If, if, does someone need to get involved through um, GSV, or is there, is there really not an opportunity? You know, how, how, do, how do people kind of think about getting involved in, in your growth or, or anything around your, uh, um, you know, your, your financial situation? Yeah, so I think if people are interested, I think they can reach out to GSV on GSV's website, and that'll get channeled to the right people at SharedX. I'll just say this. We've been uh, embraced, warmly embraced by the investment community, and it's been a, that's been a huge help as well. And, you know, we're, we're looking to accelerate and go faster. And green tech, do you think, do you consider this green tech? Is it food tech? Is it ag tech? What, what, what language do you use when you uh, describe it? Yeah, that's a great question, Chris, because there's a lot of confusion and it's in the, what is impact? What is sustainability? Well, it's in the eye of the beholder. I think that the market over time will define, will give more precise meanings to those terms. We call ourselves an agricultural impact company because that brings precision to what we do. We, we're actually, to be more precise, we are a for-profit agriculture impact company. So we're here to make money for our investors. Uh, we are farmers, it's agriculture, and we're looking to lift people out of poverty. That's the impact. That's who we are at ShareDex. And obviously you have a, a long and successful um, history in green tech, which I guess is maybe a, um, a related family member to an agriculture, a for-profit agriculture impact company. Um, did you see this type of opportunity coming? Was there something in your history around green tech where you kind of, you know, and then obviously, you know, your personal experience is what brought this really to light. But, um, you know, did the, did the green tech background really play a role? Did it uh, maybe did that open your eyes so that when you were there, you saw not only something, you know, really useful for uh, your family and, and for your spirit, but you also said, wait a minute, I've, uh, you know, I've seen this investment opportunity um, in different spaces before. Great question. So I, the, the answer is yes. My, my career helped open my eyes to the investment opportunities in agriculture and water. And in fact, I've, I've said that of any industries in the world, the two for which the gap is widest between market need uh, and available solutions, the top two on my list would be agriculture and water, maybe water and agriculture, but uh, with population, the middle class growing, we're going to need more food. 
it's not obvious where that's coming, where that's going to come from, uh, especially with the growth of cities taking farmland, and likewise water. Uh, there's water scarcity worldwide, and that's predicted to intensify. And so, from a business perspective, before I made my first trip ten years ago to Peru, my eyes had been opened to the investment, the for-profit opportunities in those two sectors, and then the trip to Peru with my daughters. Uh, open my eyes a different way to, yeah, you can invest in agriculture and do good. And that's that was basically how I came to share next. John, obviously, as you're talking about uh, agriculture and yield gap and maximizing what uh, one can from uh, the, 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 the property and, and from the farms, um, climate change, it has to be a factor. Um, how, how does SharedX think about climate change in terms of uh, what you're doing? an excellent question, Chris. At SharedX, we see climate change as a risk, and we're doing a number of things to mitigate the risk, one of which is to diversify geographically and diversify by crop, and that is, in fact, how we've begun our company. And, John, just to, to close out, so I guess kind of what, what is next as you look through maybe the rest of this year and into the next uh, 12 to 18, 24 months, um, what, what's next for Sharedex? number of things at the top of the list are ex- continued expansion of our hub-and-spoke model so that financial success continues to beget social success that feeds financial success. And also, we want to increasingly tell our story directly to the consumer. That's what we want to do. And I think in a world where the demand for purpose-driven food and beverage is increasing, we have a unique story to tell, and we aim to tell it. And is that, when you say the consumer, is that in developed countries? Do you see the food, does the food get distributed back to, you know, places like the U.S. as well? Or when you say consumer, you mean uh, uh, in the countries where the farming is occurring? Well, at the moment, uh, most of our harvest is coming to developed countries. The, the purpose from an impact perspective, what we're doing is we're injecting prosperity into these farming communities. The way to do that is to optimize the the yield multiplied by the price. And the price premiums are greatest in developed markets. We are also distributing some in the local Peruvian market. And so we'll, we'll do both over time, but our primary impact is the injection of prosperity into these farming communities. Yeah, and uh, obviously when you factor price in on the, on the purchase, which, uh, you know, for the farmers themselves and for your business as well is, you know, obviously very important, uh, that's got to happen a little bit more, I would think, in the developed countries. Uh, John, thank you. Um, what a uh, fascinating story and uh, the intersection of, you know, personal and uh, the things that you experienced with your family and being able to apply that uh, in the ways that you are. Uh, it's really, really uh, interesting and inspiring stuff. So thank you. Thank you for your time. Well, thanks, Chris. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs>